Welcome to Playmakers Impact Unleashed, your all access pass to the game changers of today and the history makers of tomorrow. I'm your host, Paul Epstein, sports industry veteran, author and speaker, founder of Purpose Labs, and your guide through an inspiring journey of courage, comeback, and transformation. Let's take a no BS look beyond the trophy cabinet to unleash every guest's impact and how they've achieved both success and significance so we can apply those same purpose-driven principles in our own lives and careers. As playmakers, let's get ready to lock arms and take action so we can all level up and make a play together. On today's show, we're sharing a seat at the table with Torian Richardson, global diversity recruiting leader for NVIDIA. And Torian's going to take us to many fascinating places, but in my opinion, none more fascinating than what he calls our identity toolbox. As Torian describes what makes the true identity of an individual, he's going to break it down into three core areas. Number one, our reason. Our reason being our purpose and our why. How do we ultimately take our internal inspiration and transform it into action? Number two, variety. Variety across all aspects of life. As Torian believes that we cannot see beyond the horizon of our own experiences. So he challenges us to constantly and intentionally put ourselves into environments that make us uncomfortable so that we can grow. Number three, relationships. As Torian believes that relationships are the currency of life. These three, in sum, when we combine our reason, our variety, and our relationships add up to our identity toolbox. And that identity toolbox will mold our character to then optimize how we show up. At the close of today's conversation, I'll further this concept of an identity toolbox by introducing you to an identity model of my own, where you'll each learn as playmakers a framework to align who you are with how you show up by connecting your inner values to everyday action. Can't wait to share. Big thanks to audible.com for being a sponsor of today's show. As playmakers, we're all about leveling up and lifelong learning. So what could be better than a free audiobook and 30-day free trial when you visit audible.playmakerspod.com? With over 200,000 titles to choose from, there is no limit to what you can explore. Perhaps, and these are just a few of my personal favorites, you want to check out The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. Consider this chicken soup for the soul of personal growth. Or maybe you dive into Grit by Angela Duckworth, where she unpacks the power of what happens when passion meets perseverance. Again, 
To download your free audiobook today, go to audible.playmakerspod.com. It's about that time to welcome Torian into the conversation. Currently serving as global diversity recruiting leader for Silicon Valley tech giant NVIDIA, Torian is going to walk us through how to build inclusive and empowering environments that are based on awareness, accountability, and taking action, something that our Playmaker community is all about. Torian will also bring us into his world of, as he calls it, courageous vulnerability, where he challenges us by asking, are we being courageous and vulnerable enough to step into building our capacity? Capacity being our skills, our talent, our performance, and our attributes. These are just a few of the insights that we'll unpack. Buckle up and join me for what is going to be one heck of a ride. Torian, welcome to Playmakers. How we doing? What's up, my brother? Listen, it is a pleasure to be here. I can't wait to have this conversation with you, man. This, this has been a few years coming, so I'm, I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. A few years. No doubt, brother. And when I think of Playmakers... You are right there at the top of the list, brother. So I can't wait to introduce you to the world. And with that, you know how you and I roll. We're just going to hop right in. And so as I do my due diligence, not that I had to go very far for this one, (laughs) but there is a quote, which I absolutely love. And I'm going to hit you with it because this is right there, smack dab on your LinkedIn. Benjamin Franklin, well done, is better than well said. Yes. If I could connect that to being a playmaker, what I take from it, and then I want to get why that quote means so much to you. When I think about making a play, it's all about action. And so it's less talk, more do. And that's my take. So what does that quote mean to you and why does it resonate so much? Well, uh, it's the same thing. Everything that you just said, action is really important. And so I, I remember early in my career when I first started off like in, early 2000s. And at the bottom of my email, I used to put this, this three words, attitude, accountability, and action. And all of these words were very important, but they moved in a sequential way. And it fit directly into what we're talking about with Benjamin Franklin's quote, because if we, if we think about what happens in life, a lot of us have a lot of great ideas. We talk about doing a lot of different things, but the people who actually make an exponential impact in life, in this world, in our lives, if we really reflect on it. These are people who take action, they're decisive, and they learn when to pivot and how to pivot when they need to. But it's all about moving from having an idea and making it actionable and then being able to pivot. So that's why I love that quote. And it's something that I tell myself multiple times a week, because, you know, we all have a the ability sometimes to procrastinate or put things off. And it's like, no, like these are the things that we need to get done. Start with the hardest, but make sure that you're taking consistent action. Yeah, man. hundred percent. So, so let's dive deep into this. So for you as a man of action, and like you said, it's, it's one of those where it's not like every single day we wake up inspired to take action. It's one of those. Sometimes we need to try harder than others based on the circumstance, based on the environment. So walk us through in one of those moments that you're personally in where maybe it's, Hey, I typically get out of this side of the bed today. It might've been the opposite side. I'm struggling right now to get up off the mat 
and take action? What are those specific things that you do, whether it's relative to mindset or any behavior on those tougher moments when it's difficult to take action? Wow, that's a great question. So I, I, I will give you my, my um, 2020 COVID answer. So all of us, the whole planet has been affected by what's happening with, with COVID-19. And for me, getting up and working out and just moving is really important. And so, you know, March, April, it's very difficult to do that. We have a lot of uncertainty. No one really knows what's going to happen going forward. So I had a really good friend of mine that I used to um, that I used to work with. He works for a large educational technology company. And he's like, hey, man, you know, I'm a part of this group of men. It's called F3. And basically what we do is we get up, we work out, and we work out from five to six every single morning, regardless of what's happening externally. So the tenants are really centered around um, accountability. We're peer-led. We always end in a circle of trust, which is something you and I are very familiar with and we talk about all the time. And so my point with this is, is that that action piece really went to the test when I started to think about how stressful things were with life, but just getting up, setting an alarm, no matter what else was going on at 4.30 in the morning and getting up, taking action on my physical and mental well-being to invest in that in the middle of a global pandemic. So that, that's like a real-time example. And honestly, 100%. I wouldn't say save my life per se, but my sanity and my well-being, it has definitely, our group, F3, the F3 Nation has definitely been a part of making me a successful progressive person in 2020. So shout out to the, to the brothers of the F3 Nation. Yep. Shout out. No doubt. And what I love about this and where it's bringing us to is one of the elements of, I, I wouldn't be been able to say this had you said, Hey, with, with my group, we're getting together for evening workouts. Well, I think, yes, you would still gain the physical benefits where I love that you're bringing us. And I call this, and I've even included a section of my book on it called own your morning. Mm. It is the most impactful part of the day because it sets the tone. Yes, and if you're willing to get up early enough, it is 100% in your control. What happens between the time you wake up and the person next to you or the first time you look at your phone, now you're welcoming the world into your day, but owning your morning. So I love that that was one of the key pieces of action. Let me ask you this. You also brought up pivot. As we reflect on not only the current times and you brought up the pandemic, but even if we were doing this a handful of years from now, pivoting is one of those essential pieces because it typically follows imperfect action, right? We take action. Some of it works out. Some of it doesn't. What are the keys to pivoting from your perspective? Well, I think a lot of it comes down to, to mindset, right? I, I have a question that I ask myself all the time. What are you committed to being right about? And... I ask myself that question because so many times we, we, we think about, okay, I know this, I've done this, I have experience, but I don't know anything, really. The more I learn, the more I'm like, you know what? I don't really know a whole lot, so I need to learn <laughs> yeah, more Yeah, things. I feel you. And so as you're learning and as you're taking action, you really have to learn how to divorce fear and failure from being actionable. And, and I can't say I've, I've mastered. I mean, we all have times where it's better and it's worse. But, but that's, those two elements are really important to me. And so the morning is important because you're right. It gives me the ability to not ease my way, but own the time, own the mindset, own the energy that I'm willing to accept. 
And whether you're working out in the morning or whether you're meditating or whether you're going for a walk or maybe you just, you know, lay in your room and you think about things, having a level of intentionality around it has really been impactful. So what am I committed to being right about? And then really understanding that I have to divorce fear and failure from uh, taking action and, and progress. So it's almost like being a cornerback, right? Like, I, you know, I dabbled in football a little bit. Um, and as a uh, playing in a, in a secondary, you have to, the, the last play, whether it was a touchdown or whether it was an interception, it doesn't really matter. You have to start over from where you are. And having that mindset on a day-to-day basis and really, really pushing yourself from being not only optimistic about the day, but optimizing your day, man, it's a game changer, bro. It's a game changer. I'm using your words. Game changer, baby. Ah, there we go. There we go. (laughs) On our way to making plays, brother. All right. So let me ask you this. I'm going to flip this on you. What are you committed to being right about right now? Like coming into this conversation today, what are you committed to being right about? That's a great question. I am committed to being right about the fact that I need to show up listening more. You and I are mm. very familiar with that word. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's challenging because as you are moving forward and you want to do things and you have ideas and you're becoming actionable, taking action is important, but also learning in the process of taking action. And that's what a pivot is, right? It kind of goes back to the, to the last question. Um, and so I want to make sure that I'm more intentional in, in, in listening, but then articulating to myself what I heard and what I'm learning from what I'm hearing. I haven't really done a good job of that. So I have a journal that, I, that I've started earlier this month, but I'm really getting ready for 2021. And it's a reflection journal. And it's really just three things from every single day that I heard and that I learned that's going to help me pivot for the next day. So I was just going to ask specifically, what are you journaling? Hey, you, you covered it, but in detail, what is it? It's essentially, so like today, right? Um, there are going to be three things that I hear or experience or maybe even see, because we, we definitely learn a lot from experience and seeing things, that I'm going to sit down and reflect on and say, this is what I heard and here's my takeaway. Here's how I'm going to apply this to me. Because a lot of times we're taking in a lot of information intentionally or, or not, but the reflection piece of it is really important. And like for me, because I, I talk a lot about courageous vulnerability and, and writing about it and stuff like that, but the first aspect or the first pillar of it is capacity. How do you build your capacity? So whether you're talking about skills, talent, performance, attributes, no, no, it, it all comes down to how are you expanding your capacity and are you being intentional and having enough courageous vulnerability to do so? So that, that for me is, is a really big takeaway. Yeah. So if you could give our audience a crash course, because this is something that will apply to every single person listening, we all in different ways seek to build our capacity. With some people, they may be in technical things and other people it may be on the professional side. Other people may be working on self. And I know you and I are massive on self-awareness, but if I'm looking to build overall capacity, if you could give us a masterclass, maybe it's one key thing or two things that you drill in on to say, world, if you're listening and the goal is to build capacity, I would suggest we do A, and B, like what? What are those one Ooh. or two things? Yeah, I'll give you three. I'll give you three. And these are re- these these are really the pillars. This is kind of a precursor to what's coming out. These are the pillars of when we talk about courageous vulnerability. What it is. The first is capacity. How do you do that? You you mentioned part of it is self awareness, but we like to package it more around what is your reason, right? And and reason meaning not only do you have like the why that goes along with it, 
But what's the logic, the actionable logic that, that follows that why, right? So you're inspired by something, but then how do you start to put action around your, your inspiration? So that's what, you know, to me, that's what being emboldened is, right? It's taking an inspiration and being courageous enough to actually move forward with it. That's number one. The second part of it is, is really understanding that it, I would argue that it's impossible for us to see beyond the horizon of our own experiences. And so the second part of that is variety, right? How do you start to expand and build variety where you are experiencing people, places, and things that are different than what you actually know? That becomes the glue of the third part, which is truly understanding that relationships are the currency of life. And once you expand and you have these new experiences and you're developing these relationships, it circles right back around to your capacity to learn new things, to engage with people, to connect with people, to build your own, what we call in, in, in the work that I've been doing, your identity toolbox. What's in your identity toolbox? How do you have different ways in which you can connect and relate to people and you can have conversation? It can be through sports. Yeah, it can be through race and gender. I would argue that, that while they're, where they're meaningful, but they're cursory, right? These are the things that fade. These are the things that we have no control over. What we do have control over, though, is our character, um, our experiences, how we listen, if we listen. Um, these are the things that, that we can build our capacity on. So these are the things that we focus on when we talk about courageous vulnerability. Oh, I love it. Yeah, love it. I, I could go so deep on all three. And as much as, and everybody listening in is going to know this, I am, I'm the purpose guy. So I would love to dive deep on number one, which is where purpose meets action. But I'm not going to do that because I feel like there's something behind the curtain of door number two, which is variety. And it's because I know your story so well. And not only decades of leadership experience, but living and working on four different continents. Not countries, folks, not countries, not states, continents. So I want to talk about the variety of places that you have been. If you could give us kind of that magic carpet ride into the decades past of the different geographies that you've been and apply it to now that you can reflect back, how has it applied to who you are today and, and what you do. But I would just love to get a sense of that, that back corner journey. Yeah, no, no. Um, thank you for asking the question. I mean, it's hard to talk about this because all of the experiences that I've had and the places that I've not only traveled to, but I've lived in are a part of who I am. And so when we talk about the identity toolbox, for me, this is a very actionable, this is how I live and how I show up. Because I've developed so many different ways to identify with people. And it comes from entering these places or spaces or homes or environments, one with the mindset of the way that I've done it isn't the right way. It isn't the only way. It's just my way up until this point. So let me show up with a real level of curiosity to understand how does my man Paul get down? Whatever that is, right? Whatever Paul does. How does he do it? Why does he do it? And authentically be in his space, not in a, a judgmental way, not in a way that is that is driven by fear, which, you know, a lot of things are being controlled by fear right now, um, but in a way that's really centered around curiosity and how can I help not only bridge the gap, which is the cursory, but we talk about tunnels, right? We talk about how do you get depth 
and then connect those tunnels where you have deep roots as people. And so when I show up with people, that's always my intention. I, I want to learn why is that important to you? Let, let me share something of, of intimate space with you. It could be my man's podcast. It could be food. Um, it could be your family. Uh, it could be a lot of different things, but that's where for me, and I would argue for a lot of people where I am being generative and really putting out vulnerability because, you know, honestly, it always doesn't turn out well, right? It always isn't positive, but, but for the most part, it has been. And where it has been, the 70, 80, maybe even 90%, it has helped me grow exponentially. So that was my mindset when I lived and worked on the continent of Africa between, um, well, I was living between Cape Town and, and Lagos, Nigeria, but I had a chance to work in Tanzania, in Kenya, in Morocco, in Egypt, and all these different countries that are different. All of them are, they're on the same continent, but they're all different. So I had to continuously show up in that way and build my own capacity. Um, and then moving to China, I did a master's degree at Tsinghua University. Shout out to Tsinghua. You know what I'm saying? Um, the MIT of China. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I got to throw it out there. Bro. Self-proclaimed or is that the billboard? Maybe we'll never no, know. No, but no. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's, it's, a, it's the MIT of China. We, I, think I love it. Three, three presidents of, of, um, of, of China graduated. Anyway, anyway. Fantastic. Um, All right. It, it was really around, one of the things that I learned there was, so living in Africa was interesting, but it still had remnants of being colonized by Europe. Outside of Ethiopia, that's the only country on the continent of Africa that wasn't technically colonized. So you still have remnants of that. Not saying it's a bad thing, but it's something that I noticed. Now, when I moved to China, my man, you get outside of Beijing and Shanghai about an hour out, forget about not having seen a black person. They have not seen a person who was not Chinese, right? And so you could imagine it was it was not being like an alien, but it felt like a very alienating place because we had nothing in common, right? However, there's always something that we have in common if we're looking for it. So it can be around food. It could be around drink. This is why Anthony Bourdain did very well, right? He was able to connect the world through food and his personal stories, right? So these are some of the ways that I tried to do that when I was in China. And then also through really trying to learn the language. Now, I, I, I did not master that, not even close, but the attempt goes a long way with people when it's authentic. And so those are, those are some of the things and some of the tools and techniques that have really helped me. So anyway, li lived in China for a while, um, started a company there called Guangxi Universal. Um, Guangxi was focused on consulting and then we moved into education technology. We had a platform that, that competed against a platform that was purchased by check. So we, you know, we, we were able to make some progress there. Um, then came back you, to, the you know, United Mrs. Epstein works for Chegg. So sh shout out to that's Mrs. Right, Epstein over right, here. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Small world brother. So, Continue, so Zinch, but yeah. so Zinch, Zinch, Zinch was, was, um, was purchased by Chegg. It was like 2011 or something like that. So anyway, man, um, uh, came back to the U S and it was a VP of global strategy for a transportation company. And had a chance to kind of leverage some of the relationships that I had in Africa and Asia and parts of the Middle East and Bahrain and, and Qatar. And um, love to do that. But, but really, getting back to the question, man, all of those experiences helped me to build my identity toolbox. And that's really what, what I try to, to present to people in connecting with people. Because when we talk about being inclusive and being innovative and diversity and belonging and quality and equity, all of these are great words. And they are. 
And I understand them. But unless we start with how we show up, unless we actually model the behaviors that we want people to, in our sphere of influence, to actually um, buy into, we have to be living it. That's where it becomes authentic. And so that's what I tried to do in living in all of these places, man. And I, I think it works. I mean, I, I was doing it because I was really curious, not because I wanted something, but, but it has been impactful for me and hopefully for the people that I've, I've had the, the blessing of be able to be, be with. Yeah, no doubt. And I could tell you your impact while the, there's a massive journey in front of you. I hope that everybody listening in can unpack some of the gold that you just sprinkled throughout your place. Because what I love is you're not coming across as a teacher that knows it all. In essence, you're kind of in the playmaker camp of sometimes the more we know, the more that we realize that we're just lifelong students. Like the best teachers absorb being a student every single moment of life. And, you know, I'll give a shout out. You've been given a lot of shout outs. So I feel like, you know, maybe it's my turn now, but, you know, to one of the, in my opinion, the great CEOs that uh, doesn't perhaps get the spotlight that he deserves, maybe because of the brand or the company. It's not the sexiest, but when you think of that blue and yellow can, when something is squeaky, what's that brand? It's WD-40. Who heads up WD-40 is Gary Ridge. His perspective is that the three most powerful words that any CEO can use are, I don't know. How awesome is that, dude? In a world where everybody is literally just pretending that they have, nobody has all the answers, but we fake it till you make it versus he's like, no, no, no. Actually, the wisdom is in the room. The wisdom is in my company. I don't know the answer. I'm going to tell you, I don't know. That's his way of being courageously vulnerable, if you will. So where I want to take us, Torian, is present day. So you, you expanded on a lot of your journey. And now on behalf of NVIDIA, you are charged, and, and I just put this out from a title perspective, but I, I want to talk more about the substance of what you'll be doing. So as a global diversity recruiting leader, you brought up the DNI space, and especially coming off of 2020, that I mean, this is a massive, massive thing that the world and the news are covering and people, whether privately or publicly, are really trying to grasp. You said something a few minutes ago that we should be looking for something in common. And I've also heard you say in the past that you choose to celebrate the commonalities of humans versus their differences. So when I think of diversity, a lot of folks listening in are like, okay, well, what do we have that's not the same? And that's where we start the conversation. You do a 180. Talk us through your philosophy of finding commonalities and perhaps not only what that means to you personally, but how do you apply this in your new role as well? Yeah. Well, uh, that's a great question. And for me, it's all about empowerment. So what I've learned is it's very difficult to have a combination, uh, a conversation and a connection with people where you're actually building and digging these deep tunnels for people to actually engage if you don't feel empowered as a person. Right. And these are the things that we kind of look at. And when, I, when I'm approaching people and I'm talking with people, I'm always showing up from the standpoint of, hey, your success is not a threat to me. Where, how you've gotten to where you are is not a threat to me. So it's not a, in order for me to win, you have to lose. It's how do we start to have a conversation so that hopefully we can learn from each other and then we're able to add value to each other from that. Now, one of the things that I don't discount in that conversation that I don't think we talk enough about when we talk about DNI are the power dynamics, because those exist as well, 
right? So empowerment and understanding power, understanding that having an availability of resources, of, of, of time, talent, and treasure actually does have an effect on how we show up and if we feel empowered in, in life. So I'm also very conscious of that when I'm, when I'm talking with people and I'm engaging with people. So I, I like to break inclusion down in four different ways. I have kind of the societal, right, which is the broader kind of what's happening macro, now. Very macro, very macro. Right? Like, you know, unless you are the president of a country or something like that, it's, it's almost impossible to really have an impact on those. So we should be aware of them. But I'm always just ca- um, very cautious of I'm aware of them, but I need to understand where I fit in this larger picture, which brings us to the second part, which is institutional. Now, the institutional can be your place of faith, your job, or even your home. Now, this is where, especially from a leadership standpoint, and I mean leadership as a behavior, not a position, that we can start to have a really big impact, especially if from a, from a um, for-profit standpoint, if we are a CEO or a board member, right? Now, the real magic, the sweet spot is where the institutional part connects to the interpersonal part. And you and I talk about this all the time, right? This is where Paul and Torian have a relationship, obviously, you know, visually we're different, which, you know, probably matters very little, but our relationship and how we relate and how we connect, that is where inclusion really starts to happen. But you can't get to that until, and this is where courageous vulnerability is at the root of it, you can't get to that until you start to work on your own internal part of how am I showing up? Why am I showing up this way? Understanding that all of us have bias in our life, we have preferences, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we have to dig into where do they come from? Why do we have them? And as you are building capacity and expanding, are there certain things that maybe you want to re- reevaluate and look at differently? Because you know what? What we learned at 18 wasn't the right answer for the rest of our life. Maybe it was the best that the environment or our parents or whatever the case had to be, what was, had to show for us and give us. But it doesn't mean that's the best answer when we're 40 or we're 60. So that's where our capacity and growing that capacity is so important. So anyway, those four layers are really important. And I always look at the DE&I space that way. How it fits into my current role. NVIDIA is an amazing organization that, that I mean, we're, we, we are a part of creating the future, right? And, and these are my words, not necessarily organizational it, I was gonna say, words. Is that the mission? Is that Torian's mission coming into the new role? Is that NVIDIA's mission, a, a mix of the two? I think it's a mix of the two because, you know, being, being in the role and talking to some of the best and smartest people I've ever met in my life, um, it's always about action, things we're talking about, and then making a bigger impact that improves the lives of other people, specifically through technology and some of the things that we're doing. And so... For me, when I hear the word, and in my role, when I talk, we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, that's innovation, right? We're const- innovation is constantly growing. It's not being stuck in one place. It's always how do we start to expand? Now, the interesting part, and this is what I'm learning and studying even more, is the relationship between innovation and growing and established culture, right? Because culture becomes our identity, and it's like, but this is what's gotten us here, and we've been extremely successful, But part of the culture is we're very innovative. So how are we merging the two to where we're holding on to the things that are organically who we are, but we're also expanding so that we're not just holding on to what was? I don't have any answers for that, but that's my mindset into it. And and it's been received well because 
that's the that's the overarching mindset of our organization and the founder of the organization. So um, I'm super excited for, for the role and, and everybody we're going to be working with. That's awesome. As we take a quick break from today's interview, a reminder of gratitude for our sponsor, Audible, who is offering each and every playmaker a free audiobook and 30-day free trial when you visit audible.playmakerspod.com. If there's one thing I've seen in most successful people that I've come across, there are a few consistent habits, none greater than the daily practice of leveling up through the power of reading. Some of us like to crack a book open, while others prefer to listen in to our favorite authors narrate their written work of art. What could be better than a platform like Audible to make this habit a reality? To download your free audiobook today, go to audible.playmakerspod.com. It's time to level up. All right, let's zoom out, but NVIDIA stays in this picture, and, and I'm going to in a very polite and respectful way, because you, you, we love each other, so we got we got to put each other on blast when we need to. Always. I know that you are an entrepreneur at heart. <laughs> you are an entrepreneur at heart. You did the corporate thing, then you did the entrepreneur thing, yep. and I'm not saying you said never. No, no, they never say never. It was close. But now you're back. But now you're back in the game. But now you're back in the game. So I look like let's bring the audience in here. We have folks that may be working in big box fortune organizations all the way to solopreneurs and every level of professional in between. When deciphering, do I go the entrepreneur route? Do I go the corporate route? In your case, it's kind of an ABA and who knows if it's the last letter in the alphabet, it probably won't be. I, I look in my career, I was a corporate guy, now I'm an entrepreneur. How would you coach us through making a decision? Like if the fork in the road is entrepreneurial life to the left and corporate to the right, if those are the only two options, for the sake of this question, how do you coach us through that fork in the road? No, that's a great question. So you have to look at, um, again, what's being modeled, right? We talk about action. What's being modeled? So it's not necessarily that it's corporate. It's how does the company move? How does the company make decisions? And what's the greater reason and direction that they're actually moving? I, I'm, not, I'm not with NVIDIA just because, ooh, I wanted a job and I wanted to get back with a company. I'm at NVIDIA because it's NVIDIA, <laughs> right? Because of the mindset and how we think. And it's like, hey, what is life going to be like when, when we're living on Mars, right? How do we actually harness energy? What's going to be the hardware? That type of thinking is not the type of thinking that says, hey, we want to consistently be status quo. It's not, that's not how it works. And so what I would say is you have to look at the reasoning and, and what's actually being modeled within the organization, and then merge that with your purpose, your why, your goals, and say, hey, do we have synergy that's actually there? Or am I, am I going to feel like I'm just another cog in a wheel? Now, I certainly don't feel that way. NVIDIA, we don't even move that way. Um, but this is what a person would have to do and say, how does this fit into my long-term goals? Because life is an ebb and flow, man. It's an ebb and flow. And so you're right. But I, and, and my role right now is candidly, it's a new role, um, pretty much established for, you know, the skill sets and some of the attributes that I'm bringing to the table. So there's a huge level of entrepreneurialism and figuring it out and making it work 
in what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. Trust me. I'm not, it's not plug and play. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> uh, well, I, no, nor do I think you ever would have, I know you would not have taken this leap back in if it wasn't true to your purpose. And so that's where I want to do a quick riff and bring everybody in. And, and we know that playmakers are all about having a foundation of purpose. And you said earlier, knowing who you are, it is the center of everything in your personal universe. Because until you have, you called it your identity model. I look at identity as if your inner core identity is your purpose, that is your why. And then the next layer are your values, that is your who. Those then can inform your attitudes and your belief system. And what do your belief systems drive? Well, that's how you show up each day, through your behaviors and your actions. And so when you really go through that layer, I just want to call out that unless you know who you are at your core, it's really difficult to be authentic and consistent in those outer layers, that outward facing part of life. One of those core aspects is what do I do for a living? How do I spend the rest of my working hours? Because, and Torian, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but I crunched the numbers and it's kind of scary and kind of inspiring at the same time. Do you know that if you were to go for a 45-year professional journey, work 45 hours a week and work 50 weeks a year, that multiplied out is over 100,000 hours, my friend. 100,000 hours. So, A, that number is either going to give you energy or deplete you of your energy. B, that is either going to align with your purpose or is going to crush that thought of your why. So point being, whether it's Torian, whether it's Paul, whether it is everybody listening in, know your purpose, know who you are. And and I love that you brought us there, brother. So, all right, a, a lot to unpack here. And you talked about not only the entrepreneurial journey and you talk about now being at NVIDIA, Let's go back to your roots because we hear the the richness of your story. And I, I know, well, right now there's some travels involved for you, but home is south side of Chicago. And whether everybody listening in has been there or not, we know what we hear on TV. I personally have spent time there and, it, and it's an eye-opening place and it's a place that you come from. So I'd love to know a little bit more about what has molded Torian and who he is today based on those early seeds that were planted and what you experienced in your childhood years? Oh my gosh, man, that, that's, that's a whole nother podcast, but I'm going to do my best for this one. I'm going to do my best, bro. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm originally from the Chicagoland area. So I, I actually had the pleasure of growing up in three distinct neighborhoods. So I'm originally from the Auburn Gresham area of the South Side of Chicago off of 87th Street. Um, then moved out to a close western suburb, which is Justice. Now, the interesting thing is Auburn Gresham was mostly African-American, you know, kind of working class, maybe even working poor, could be articulated that way. Now, Justice was actually racially and culturally diverse, right? You had Hispanic population, Asian population there, but or at the same time, it was also very working class, maybe even working poor. So, you know, we, we, we lived in an apartment complex that was huge. Um, you know, there was a lot of public aid that were there, but there are also people who were working like my parents, my dad drove a bus for CTA, my mom worked for the post office. So, you know, we, we ate like that was never an issue. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but then I also had a chance to grow up in the uh, Aurora Naperville area, which is mostly Caucasian and kind of middle class, upper middle class area. So these three very distinct experiences in my formative years up until 18 
really helped form these three pillars for me. And one of the things, the common thread is I always was kind of the minority. So I had to find different ways to identify with people because even in the Auburn Gresham area where my grandmother lived and I lived for a period of time, I had a broader experience where it wasn't only African-Americans. So I was a minority there. In justice, I was a bit of a minority because I had two parents, at least at the time, and they both worked. In the Aurora Naperville area, we certainly weren't affluent, right? So I was a minority there because we were kind of, you know, socioeconomically the bottom middle of the class. Now, I'm saying that not from a, hey, feel sorry or anything like that, because it actually caused me to say, hey, I have to find different and better ways to connect with people outside of cursory things. So the pillars of courageous vulnerability are actually my life story. That's, that's how I actually pulled this stuff out because it worked, it worked for me. It, it worked for me. And I, I found that when I'm able to articulate this information to other people, that it actually works for them as well. That's why the second part of variety is so important and putting yourself in different environments that make you uncomfortable and help you to expand the horizon of your experiences because it gives you more things and more ways to expand your capacity. So, um, you know, that was kind of the geographic growing up, um, but also from a family standpoint, and, and again, not definitely want to throw my family under the bus, but uh, my, my parents, my family did the best that they possibly could, but they came from abusive backgrounds, right? So even though the jobs were there and the economics were there, at least at the base level, the social, the emotional, the, the healing part of all of that, those things were never really addressed. In fact, we're still addressing some of them now. And so that really bled into our, our home. And that's one of the reasons why listening has always really um, resonated with me and is important to me because I didn't see that being modeled in my own home, right? It, there wasn't a whole lot of listening. There was a whole lot of shouting and yelling and blaming and cursing and then escalated into other things. And I remember once I kind of separated myself from the environment, remembering and saying to myself, like, I don't know if, 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 I ever felt heard or the people that I love ever felt heard. Now, people were expressing themselves, but it doesn't mean that the environment was there where they felt heard, cared for, and nurtured. And so that's when I started my own journey on how do I start to build my capacity personally with that. Um, so, yeah, that's, those are the, the formative years. Now, I mean, I can, I can go deep into all of that. No, but. no. Well, I, I know you can, and I'm sure everybody's hanging on the edge of their seats just listening to that. So let me ask you this. As you reflect back, and this is personal, and I've never asked you this, but, um, you know, for those that are listening in, and some may have had a very privileged background, others may have had that school of hard knocks background. And again, I'm sure a thousand people come from a thousand different places and everybody's story is so unique. But when we listen to the details of your story, and I've heard you talk about how tied to your family is the importance of forgiveness. I don't know if that forgiveness perhaps is um, tied to your parents or to anything else, but talk to us about where that theme that I've heard you talk about before about connecting family and forgiveness, like give us the backstory there. Cause I, I think there's something we could all learn from. Well, I, I think all of us as human beings, we all have some level of brokenness, man. And it ha this has nothing to do with money and resources, right? As human beings, people are your parents, my parents, the people who took care of us, what they were doing for the most part, they were making the best decisions and doing the best that they could in the best way that they knew how. And I had to understand that as a child 
and as a person who came from a particular type of family was they were doing the best they could in the circumstances, man. You know, but that's why it's been so important for me to say, how do I step back from circumstances when they're stressful, or even when they're great? Look at them almost in third person. And how do I start to learn? Hey, here's some things that I learned and I want to take away from this and I think are going to be beneficial. But here's some things that I want to learn from that I want to make sure I keep over there. And I don't want to continue continue those cycles. And that has been one of the most life-changing, pivotal things in my life. And, and that goes into business because we all make mistakes in business. We're human, right? This goes into how do we show up better with, with new people because we all had a, a new a first day in which we were new. Um, patience, right? Like I wasn't patient. I was angry growing up. That's why I like sports. I wrestled. I played football. I ran track. You took it out on the yeah. field. Yeah. I took it out on yeah. the field. I, I took it out on the track. And you know what I ran in track? The hurdles. And it wasn't because I really enjoyed running hurdles. It was because I got a chance to run through them. I got a chance to hit them. I got a chance to, to get that aggression out. But once I started working on forgiveness, which actually started with forgiving myself, and then how do you have a better understanding of those people that were around during your formative years, completely changed my presence, how I show up, and really just internally, just as a person, as, as a person who wants to be impactful in a positive way, how do I hold space for other people? Yeah. And what you just said to tie it back into, because now we can easily connect the dots. All right. This is Torian's background personally. This is a lot about who he's been and what he's done professionally. And that, and again, both of these journeys are going to continue, but bringing everybody in, you and I, we both have co-facilitated and trained what we call emotional intelligence. And so if we talk about EQ and really to simplify it, if you could break it down, you just described several different pillars, which are teachable pillars that are applicable for everybody listening in. Awareness is the key theme and it's awareness of three things of self, of others, and of situation. Awareness of self, awareness of others, awareness of situation. And so as I unpack a lot of where Torian comes from, I heard while it wasn't this magical pill that you took and then you said, oh my gosh, I've got this self-awareness. It was cultivated is probably the best word over time. You were aware of others, but you were also like, well, how do I then want to show up at a later stage of life to either do what I like that they did or not do what I didn't like that they didn't do, right? And then awareness of situation. So I think that's all applicable. I've, I've also heard you talk about from a family perspective, Torian, and you and I, we both had, unfortunately, we've had some hardships from the health side or the medical side relative to our families. And I heard about an experience where you interviewed uh, some of your family or interviewed is probably too formal of word. You were talking to family as maybe it was in some of their later years about their life reflection. So once mortality faces us and we hear this theme of potential regrets and you probed a little bit on that, could you share some of those takeaways with us? Cause I, I loved what I heard about this. Yeah, man. Uh, so I, I've been forced. Well, so let me give you some more context. So I've been for the past few years and you, you know, this, um, the, the caregiver for my mom, um, she has a variety of different diseases and, and, and we were making some progress and, and things have kind of plateaued or maybe even trending in, in a negative direction. So still trying to hold that space there. But 
I've also had the, the blessing of being able to see a lot of people. One, a really good friend of mine from high school, aunt, a, a, a woman who used to we used to work together, um, that were dying and they they had cancer. And um, for some reason, man, I was asked or invited or held the space around maybe within their last sixty days of life and in, in spending over a day with each of them, and. But they're all separate, all three different parts of my life, three different areas. One I'm related to, one was a really good friend of mine in high school. We played sports together. And then the other, actually, you know, we worked together um, professionally. But their messages, bro, were the same. When we talked about life and what they experienced, maybe even what they would have done differently, it was really around, one, I would have traveled or I would have seen more, right? Um, I would have taken the time to actually do that. Two, it was around, man, I wish I would have communicated more. I wish I would have written that book. I wish I would have written that card to somebody I really cared about. Or maybe even said something to somebody, you know, that wasn't positive, but at least I would have expressed myself and not held on to that energy that is carried with me. Um, and those two things were, were really, really, really powerful to me. They were really powerful to me. So, um, I never wanted to have that type of regret. And it's one of the reasons why relationships were important. Because the third thing that they would say was, you know, I wish I would have spent more time not only with the people that I love and care about, but building and cultivating relationships that could have been more loving and could have been more positive and progressive. And a lot of times we, we because we get busy, we forget to put the time in to actually do that, you know. No doubt. And yeah, it's the regret of missed opportunities, whether the opportunity was an experience or whether the opportunity was a place or a relationship. Um, yeah, man, I, I hear a lot of the same things when I, especially deep in the purpose space, when you really get into what gets people out of bed, what, what, what takes them from career to calling. And when they feel that kind of power of service and contribution and impact, those are those missing elements that there's nothing a job can only do so much for you a career can only do so much for you but when you find your calling and per, and that doesn't just mean professional your calling may be to travel the world okay i don't just want to pigeonhole this in some corporate yeah, box yeah i've been there like, but, but yeah no i i love it man love it all right we're gonna lighten the mood a little bit so we're gonna go some rapid fire on some quick personal hits let's do it right, let's do it so let's do this if they were to film a movie about your life, what actor would play you and why? Ooh, what actor? Sean Connery. Ah, yeah. I was right. sad when why my man Sean? died. Man, I've always, I, I've always liked his demeanor as an actor, his his presence. Um, he was very masculine, right? But 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 not in a not in a masculine way that I thought was overbearing or you know to use words around toxic or anything like that. But but just you know his shoulders were always back. However, personable, connected with people, witty. Like I always loved Sean Connery in his roles, man. So I would say Sean Connery. Beautiful. All right. You could have a cup of coffee with any single person, dead or alive. Who would it be and what's one thing that you would want to learn from them? Harriet Tubman. Hmm. And um, how, did she, how did she not only do what she did, but find the courage to continuously do it? I mean, 
you're you're putting your life on the line and a lot in the life of thousands of people leading them to something that most of them couldn't even imagine so you talk about innovation and leadership and doing it in the middle of the night where people are trying to kill you yeah harriet tubman i would love i mean just just as a, as a woman as a black woman want to talk to her yeah and and so if we're waving a wand, now you have that knowledge and she gives you her insight. How would you apply that knowledge to your own life today? Depends on what she said, but I would apply it right away, man. I would start at 4.30 like I start every morning. Um, I'm, I'm assuming it would be something around grit, right? Understanding, you know, what's the reason behind the direction that you're going um, and understanding that it's not about you. You know, when you have certain attributes, you have certain things that are instilled in you. To me, the real impact in this world is being empowered enough to openly share that with other people. That's that's the type of profit that, that we should be seeking. Now, I'm not, I have no problem with traditional financial profit, but I think that that is really um, how I would try to apply it and make it exponential. OK, so you, you bring us to the space of impact. What's the impact in short form? Because I know you and I, we could probably rattle off 500 elements of impact that we want to create. But if I could say, what's the piece of impact that's most top of mind for you? And also, how do you measure that? Because I, I personally, I struggle with it, man. Like what's the ROI on or return on impact, if you will, or return on purpose. And you know, we got to dig deep for these types of things. So number one impact you want to make, and how do you plan on measuring it, whether in current form or future form? Well, I think it's different across the board, right? Um, I mean, I've been impacted by people who do generative things at the grocery store, right? That, that becomes a reminder to me to say, hey, man, listen, you're in a, a blessed place. Um, it's like a switch, right? It's, it's literally like a switch to say, hey, let, let me illuminate you a little bit to where you actually are. Um, so you can measure it that way. The real measurement becomes how people take um, being in Bolton and make it actionable, and so when I, like I have a little cousin, we were talking about finance and I heard a, a saying um, a, few, a few months ago and I asked her, I said, do you think that you could beat um, LeBron James in a basketball game? And she's like, of course not. You know, he's one of the best basketball players <laughs> in the world, blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, what do you think it would actually take for you to be able to do that? And she was like, I don't know. And I said, well, what if you knew all the rules to the game and he didn't? Could you beat him? And she's like, probably. And I said, yeah, right. So, so for me, it's moments like that where she understood, because I was trying to get her to understand how to read financial statements. She works at a fast food place. And I said, listen, it's not about where you work. Ask the general manager, how do you read a P&L, a statement of cash flow, right, and a balance sheet? Because that's the type of education that Love you that. can go pay for, or you can get real operational experience for it right then and there, right? She did it. She asked for it. And now... One, they want to promote her, which is, you know, I said that's great, but that's very, very short term. But now you're getting tangible experience and things that you can actually apply. So for me, I look at things like that, that maybe could change the whole trajectory of her life. It was applied. So hopefully that's impactful. Fantastic. Yeah, man. Yeah, and I love how fundamentally... You basically just created this foundation. Like sometimes we think of impact, whether it's an impact-driven organization or the impact that we want to make in life. And it feels so big picture and macro, but in reality, if especially taking it back to a daily practice, like you said, of a gratitude journal or of taking that one small action each day 
that gets you closer to the impact you want to create. Sometimes like that lesson you just taught, man, it can get super foundational and it's all at our fingertips. So impact doesn't need to be this macro thing that's out of touch. So no, thank you for bringing us there. All right, we got two more quick ones and I'm only going to use this one because you are a man that is well-traveled. Uh -oh. And so now, <laughs> here we go. All right, at the wave of the wand, you are now on a deserted island, all right? And I am a genie. You get three wishes as you are on this deserted island and none of the wishes can be for more wishes and you can also not wish for anything that will get you off the island. So you're not getting the boat. You are for eternity. You're on this deserted island and you're starting solo. What would your three wishes be? I'm on the island solo for the rest of my life. That and and but you get three wishes. But you're not going to get off the island. You're not going to get anything that gets you off the island, and you don't get to ask for more wishes. Okay, so I believe that we should start with ourselves. So I have to wish for an unlimited supply of fresh water. Love it. I mean, I mean, I'm just being. You know, I got to be practical. No, I can't no, no, live. No, you're going, if I can't man. Drink, you're going, it. right? Um, so water would be one for um, health. And and not just not just physical health, which I'm obviously going to need because I have to build shelter and all that other stuff, um, but also for mental health because I'm going to be alone. I'm going to be isolated, so I'm going to need <laughs> ways to be kind of you know creative and stuff like that. So health would be really important. So I guess eternal health, if there is such a thing. Done. And and, and last but not least would be um, I would wish for the rest of the planet to have the same. The same two, the first two things, water, which should not be an issue on the face of the planet, and it is, and um, for people to have health, because I'm on the planet alone, I have water, I have shelter, I'm assuming I can probably eat some plants and stuff until I die. For me, that's a great way to have a greater impact, we'll say, hey, you know what, well, if the rest of the planet can have this, go for it. So those would be my three things off the top of mind, man. <laughs> That, that is mic drop worthy, my friend. And you provided actually a perfect transition to our final piece because you said to the rest of the world, and I'll be honest with you, brother, I've asked that question to many, many folks. Uh, nobody has given a response like your third piece right there because it was always typically about uh, self-service and or companionship or whatever the case. But in your case, you said, no, no, no. I, I'm going to take these two things that are very, I, I, I want to stay alive. So my water, my health, but now let me think about the rest of the world. So that says who you are at your core. So now the whole world is listening to you and you could share one thought. What would it be? Boy, I can share one thought. Uh, I think it goes back to what we just talked about, man. Um, I mean, from a professional standpoint, I talk about this and been writing around courageous vulnerability, but one of the first parts of that pillar of building capacity is forgiveness. So just learn how to um, forgive yourself because it does start with yourself. You can't forgive other people until you start with yourself and really just give yourself a little bit of grace. Try to understand the logic and the reason into the people, places and things that help you get to where you are, whether it's been positive or negative. And that will become the seed that will help all the flowers and trees that you need in this world to actually blossom. Um, so just the power of forgiveness, man, and grace. Th those would be the things that I would say I would want people to, to grow with.
the power of forgiveness and grace. So with that, Torian, this has been freaking awesome, brother. I I love how you've brought (laughs) us all into your world. And yes, for all of the big brands, and we could have gone deep on any aspect, and we could have gone to the Harvard or to the NVIDIA. No, 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 no. We said, who are you at your core? So you taught us all that regardless of what a LinkedIn profile or a resume says, it's all about starting on the inside, leadership of self, and being a playmaker. So thank you for being on, brother. I love the time. I appreciate it, man. I'm really proud of you, man. I love to see the work that you're doing. I remember we were the first started talking about this, so my <laughs> I got an extra heartbeat for you right now. I'm like, my man no is doubt. doing it. I love it. I'm happy no for you, doubt. Man. Straight up. No doubt. And you know we're locking arms for the rest of our life. So yes, sir. appreciate you again, man, and we'll connect real soon. All right. Peace. What an incredible conversation with Torian, and I hope that you're as fired up as I am, hearing about his purpose, his impact, and how he brought it to action. He is truly one of the special playmakers that I have had the pleasure of locking arms with. Now it's time for us, you and I, to make a play of our own. And it comes from a concept that Torian brought to the table with his version of an identity toolbox. Identity and knowing who you are has been foundational to finding my why. And frankly, it has just been a life changer. Because of that, I've integrated it into the consulting work that I do at Purpose Labs, of which you're about to share an experience with me on how to activate your core purpose and values into everyday life. So think of this as merging your why to your what. Because what I've seen is that while we all want to live with greater purpose, we often struggle to apply it to everyday life. This framework and what I call your identity model, it solves that problem. Speaking of that identity model, it's linked in the show notes ready for you to download and have access. What you're going to see is that there are five levels to the model. In total, they represent your identity. And so from the inside out, It starts with purpose. I want you to think of purpose as your why. The next layer are your values. Think of your values as your who. So you've got your why, you've got your who. Together, that's your core identity. And we're gonna call these the inner layers of that identity because they then start to impact each of the outer layers of your identity, which is how you show up and what the world sees. So that third and next layer, after purpose and values, number three is beliefs. We each have a belief system. It's unique to our life experiences to date. This is not about right or wrong. It's simply the beliefs that make us uniquely us. And our purpose and values color these beliefs. Once those beliefs are deeply rooted, they then influence our decisions And our decisions then drive our daily actions. So now you see from the inner layers of who you are at your core to the outer layers of how you show up, when you can align and connect all levels, that's your best self. Authentic, consistent, and empowered. And now you are showing up in a way that you're letting the world know who you are 
being your core identity. So as playmakers, now let's make it more tangible and actionable. How do we bring this to life? So I'm going to give you one piece here. I want you to lock in on one core value that deeply resonates with you. The way to do this is by thinking through this question. If you were to pull your inner circle, the people that know you best, what's the one word that they would use to describe you? And whatever you think a common word would be, use that as your core value in this exercise. Then apply that core value as your lens for all of your decisions and actions this coming week. From there, lather, rinse, repeat week after week. And this is how you consistently operate through your values by using the framework of this identity model. So as playmakers, that's how we can make more purpose-driven plays. It's time to get after it. Loved what you just heard? Share it with another playmaker. And for all of today's show notes, head over to playmakerspod.com where you can not only enjoy additional resources from today's show, but all previous episodes as well. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever it is that you get your favorite podcasts. If you gain significant value from today's episode and genuinely feel that you have leveled up, give us a five-star rating. And between now and the next Playmakers episode, let's stay connected. Hit me up on LinkedIn, at Paul Epstein, or Instagram, at Paul Epstein Speaks. Playmakers is produced by Motown Podcast Studios in collaboration with Purpose Labs. Wishing you a high-impact week of action and purpose. See you next time on Playmakers. Playmakers.